Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sign up with my bookie and use our promo code Gators to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. Get the Manscaped Performance Package at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use code GatorsBreak20. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Can we get one of those dull moments? I think we take one of those dull moments right now, wouldn't we? That's what the game versus Sanford was kind of supposed to be. Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you day after Florida's 70 a 52 win over the Sanford Bulldogs. You heard that right. I'm sure you already know, but 70 to 52 victory over the Sanford Bulldogs. Now, last week we were taken aback by the score on the other side of Florida losing 40 to 17 to South Carolina. A week later, we get another odd score. We didn't necessarily predict, but, the other way, Gators winning this one, but 70 to 52 over Sanford. Not sure anybody saw that kind of score coming. You might have saw 70 for Florida, but 52 versus Sanford, nah. So 70, 52 win over Sanford. Gators needed a record-setting day from Emory Jones, and glad he was able to deliver. Uh, and glad he showed up. Uh, and that side of the ball, the offense showed up like they were supposed to versus Sanford, but – Glad he was able to deliver because the Gators absolutely needed it. Uh, they needed it because the defense was an absolute no-show in the first half as they surrendered 35 points to Sanford, the other seven coming from a kickoff return for a touchdown. This is not the Georgia Bulldogs. This is the Sanford Bulldogs. Okay, good. Florida got a win. They needed a win. But perform- the performance on the defensive side of the ball completely inexcusable completely inexcusable I don't care about making a switch at defensive coordinator 
what we saw versus Sanford, inexcusable, no matter the situation. And the only reason this was even a game, when your offense scores 70 points, was because of a defense. That's the only reason this was even a game. Scored 70 points and you're in a dogfight with a 4-5 and five FCS opponent because the defense couldn't get stops. Florida should never be in a situation to have excuses or reasons for a close game versus Sanford. That is the issue. Inexcusable, no matter what was going on at Florida, no matter what changes, no matter what coaching changes, no matter who was on the sideline, Florida should never be in that situation. Huge issue. And just one more, just one more that piles up in this season. So th- thankfully, thankfully the offense did what they were supposed to do. I won't gloss over that. They did what they were supposed to do. You get credit for doing what you're supposed to do. And thankfully they showed up because we'd be talking about another huge upset in Gainesville. Reminiscent of Georgia Southern a few years ago. But nah, this, uh, this should not be happening at the University of Florida. Win or no win, this 70 to 52 over Sanford should not be happening. Let's not forget. We can't forget the penalties and the special teams once again. But a bad defense and SEC play somehow got even worse versus an FCS opponent. I know many point to the an offensive explosion to excuse some of this performance in regards to Dan Mullen. Not me. This was Sanford. This is what you should have done on offense. And you get credit for that. But you also get credit for not having the complete team ready and a historically pitiful performance and effort on defense. That's what we got. One more feather in the cap of Dan Mullen this season. One more feather and it's time to move on. I really don't know how this performance can be defended, especially paired with the trend of this team. Pair it with what's been happening this season. It's just one more. One more data point. According to ESPN Stats and Information, I'm talking about the trend here. Gators have allowed 175 points in their past four games. The most in a four-game stretch since 1917. You tell me what part of that's acceptable. This is no longer about defensive coordinators. was no longer about defensive coordinators after bringing Todd Grantham back last season. Dan Mullen is the head coach, not an offensive coordinator. You can't give him a pass for a defense when this is his team, not just his offense. It's great Emory Jones and the offense had a record-setting day. It's not great that they needed a record-setting day to get the win in this game. The record-setting day was necessary. That's the sad part. But luckily you got it. Luckily you got it. All right, take a look at the stats here of Florida Sanford. Brutal, especially on the defensive side for the Gators. 530 total yards for Sanford, 717 for the Gators. Passing yards, there you go. Now, Florida's rush defense has been the issue lately in SEC games. But versus, versus FCS Sanford, with their style of play, it was going to be the passing game, and there it was. It showed up. 
416 yards passing for Samford over Kyrie Elam, Avery Helm, Jason Marshall. A defensive line that couldn't bring down the quarterback. 416 yards surrendered passing for the Gators to the Sanford Bulldogs. 464 yards passing for the Gators. 253 rushing yards for the Gators over 114 versus Sanford here. But there it is. It's one of the big issues, something that just keeps popping up this year. 12 penalties for the Gators for 94 yards. 12 penalties. One more attention to detail that just keeps getting, you know, just one of those attention to details that they keep popping up every week. Might be penalties one week. It might be special teams one week. We got both of them here. Might be turnovers another week. There you go. You just keep piling up. Third down, 7 of 15 for Sanford. I'll get into it later, but they dominated third downs in the first half. Gators 7 of 11 for third down. Yards per play, 6.2 for Samford, 10.4. So Florida offense averaged a first down every time they touched the ball. Their yards per rush, good to see Florida get back on the good side of things. Is there, you know, yes, I know, context, opponent. I know. 7.2 there for the Gators. And then tackles for loss. Scooting down to the bottom there. Two for Sanford, four for the Gators. So there is your stat look. If you're looking out there on YouTube, you can look at the graphic version. Or if you're listening out there, you can go to YouTube version and get the table of stats right there. But pretty on offense for the Gators. Not so pretty for the Gators' defense. I mean, what a day. What a day needed. Needed. By Emory Jones. I wonder if you'd have been able to predict that coming into this game with Sanford that Emory Jones would need an historic performance for Florida to win this game. He needed to be in for four quarters. Now, Anthony Richardson's limited, you know, different story, all that knee stuff. I mean, there you go. It's just kind of, I was told before the game, expect him to be limited. Um, Probably would have played had Florida been able to get some stops on defense. But Emory Jones rolling. Anthony Richardson wanted Emory to stay in. And there you go. Part of that plays into the record-setting performance. But at least Emory Jones was able to deliver because he needed to. So what a day. Emory Jones finishes uh, with the most total offensive yards, plusing plus rushing, by Gator in program history. 500 and 50 yards. Jones passed for 464 yards and added another 86 yards rushing. He broke Tim Tebow's record of 533 yards of total offense set against Cincinnati in Tim Tebow's final game of the 2009 season. So, of course, yes, I know, I know, competition plays into this. I know. Could other quarterbacks have played four quarters versus an FCS team and have set a record before? Yes. But let's just talk about what actually happened. His seven total touchdowns, six passing, one rushing, tied the Florida program record. Jones' 464 yards passing is tied for fourth most in a single game in program history. Jones' six touchdown passes is tied for third most of any Gators quarterback in program history. He's the first quarter 
uh, first Gator to throw six touchdown passes in a game since Kyle Trask did the same thing last year versus Arkansas. Jones is the seventh Gator to ever throw six touchdown passes in a game. Threw for over, he threw for 300-plus yards for the first time in his career. By default, his also his first 400-yard uh, career passing game. If he threw you know, for 400 yards, this was going to be his first 300-yard game, of course. This is going to be his first 400-yard 400 400-yard game at the same time. Setting career highs, 464 yards passing, six touchdowns, 82.4% completion percentage, 12 explosive plays among them, 27-yarder to gamble, 46-yarder to gamble, 33 to shorter, a 45-yard touchdown to Naquan Wright, 49-yard touchdown to Davis, 18-yard touchdown to Gamble. And there's a few of those explosive plays. So, yes, of course, context with all this of it being Samford and also needing this output on the offense. Offense was rolling as the defense was struggling. AR limited, staff being cautious with a knee injury. Just sharing what I've been told there. Choose to believe it or not. Uh, but, you know, there were some better throws overall by Emory, getting more receivers involved. Uh, and most of all, most of all, because I know I saw it on social media. I even had it in the back of my mind. You know, it's kind of just waiting for that turnover that we've seen all year. And didn't get it. Didn't get it. Thankfully there, he was able to take care of the ball, make some better decisions, not force some throws. Guys were wide open, as they should have been in a game like this. So, yes, the opponent is a factor, but still had to perform, show he could take care of the ball, and he did so, and it was needed. And it was needed as this was the most combined points in 108 years by Florida and an opponent with 122 points. So your record-setting day for offense and Emory Jones combined with the 52 points with Samford, 70 for Florida, 52 for Samford, 122 points, the most combined points in 108 years by Florida and an opponent. Mm. <laughs> you couldn't have wrote this storyline before the game. Nobody would have wrote the game like this. Unless you're a Sanford fan, maybe. But, I mean, thankfully we got that performance. We'll get into the defense and why that performance from Emory Jones was needed. But before we get there, from all the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while with my bookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with my bookie's first deposit bonus. Double your money before you even place a bet. And all you have to do is sign up and deposit using my exclusive promo Gators at my bookie. There are tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week. But let's get in the right direction for your first wager. Get in. Next Sunday, two powerhouse offenses meet when the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas has been on the tear this season while the Chiefs continue to struggle. Take the Cowboys, cover the spread, and you can walk away with the bread at MyBookie. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can get in the game. Start winning big today. That's promo code GATERS to receive Double your first deposit instantly into your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. 
Holiday season is approaching, and I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Gift yourself or someone else who needs it with the Manscaped Performance Package. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 by going to manscaped.com. With this Performance Package 4.0, it includes, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth-generation waterproof trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, the nose and ear trimmer that absolutely works. No more guesswork there. Get the best one out there. And after trimming your football, show them some love with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, here to take your ball game to the next level. And Manscaped even throws in two free gifts for their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. But Manscaped, look, they've been busy. They just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature that Manscaped signature scent. Your body will be oh so fresh, oh so clean when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. So all this, get it 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. All right, that offensive performance was needed. Why? Well, you know why. Sanford comes in to the swamp, puts up 52 points, 42 of them in the first half. 42 points for the Sanford Bulldogs in the first half. I don't care who's defense coordinator. That's unacceptable. You saw the stats earlier. Sanford led 42 to 35 at halftime. 42 points were the most ever scored on a Florida team in one half. This is not Georgia. This is not Alabama. This is not Florida State of the 90s. This isn't playing Nebraska in the national championship game, Ohio State in the national championship game with a Heisman winning quarterback. This is Sanford, a four and five FCS team that scored 42 points on you in the first half, more than any other opponent. Any. This isn't 2019 LSU. This is Sanford. The 52 total points are the fourth most ever given up by a Florida Gator football team and the most by an FCS team against any Power 5 opponent since the split in the subdivisions since 1978. That stat comes from uh, Sanford's website there. One more time. 52 total points, fourth most ever given up by a Florida football team and the most by an FCS team against any Power 5 opponent since the split into subdivisions in 1978. You tell me how that's acceptable. You tell me how that's defensible. It's not. In FCS play, Sanford was 4-5 and five coming into the game. They averaged 451 yards a game. They gained 530 on Florida. 451 yards a game against the likes of VMI and Chattanooga and East Tennessee State. They gained 530 on Florida. They averaged 300 yards passing coming into the day or coming into the game yesterday. Average 300. They had 416 on Florida. 
They averaged six yards per play. Okay, they had 6.2 versus Florida. Not a difference there, but that's the issue. There should have been a difference. This would, for Florida, you know, a chance to rally. With all the change going on, this was a chance to rally. With all the talk surrounding your head coach, with the change at defensive coordinator that we were told should make a difference in motivation for these players. None of it was there. Another slow start. No matter who the defensive coordinator is, another slow start. Effort wasn't there to begin with at all. That should not be the case. Whether you gained it in the second half or not, Shouldn't have been the case to begin with. Another effortless performance. Once again, right or wrong, fair or not, it did not look like the players wanted to be on the field versus a team they should dominate no matter what the issues are that was presented. Yes, there are issues. We know that. That's why changes were made. But I don't care. The issues Florida has on defense should have no way in translated to what we saw in another collapse on defense, this time versus Sanford. Not, you know, I, I could even be nice. I'll, I'll cut you some slack and give you the first drive with the change. All, all the changes going on, okay, I'll give you the first drive. There's change, okay. But to have a first-half performance where the Bulldogs had 358 of their 530 total yards, that doesn't get it done. Six of eight on third down in the first half. That doesn't get it done. Eight yard to play? Nope. That's the first half. You know, when this defense should have been ready to go, a simplified approach didn't matter. Still lost. Still confused. This team showing once again a lack of preparation, a lack of effort. That's how you get this performance. Yes, they played better in the second half. Sorry. Kind of like overall right now, too little, too late. Soft coverage, leaving running backs wide open out of the backfield, busted plays, not keeping a quarterback contained, not being able to pursue a quarterback, letting him eat you up with yards on the ground, penalties. It was all there to help dig an early hole. So, get to halftime. What did they do to fix the defense at halftime? Mullen said he went in with the players and said, guys have to stop looking and saying, quote, you need to cover somebody. You need to get a sack and say, I need to go make a play. Do the things you have to do to make plays when there are opportunities. Not you, 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 but turn it inside and realize there are opportunities to go make plays. And they're just not doing them, Mullen said. Just have to stop with the pointing and asking and just go make a play. But look, that, that's been an issue dating back to last year. That's, that's nothing new. We saw it all last year. We saw it all the beginning part of this year. Look, I know it's not going to magically fix itself. But it shouldn't matter versus Sanford. It did get better in the second half. It got better, but far from saying they fixed any issues on defense, you know, given the opponent here. I'm not going to sit here and say Florida fixed the offense because they went and got 700 yards versus Sanford and 70 points. No. They did what they were supposed to do. Defense did not do what they were supposed to do. They did somewhat in the second half. 
Only 172 yards for Sanford compared to 358 in the first half. Bulldogs were one of seven on third down in the second half. And averaged 4.3 yards to play after averaging eight in the first half. So it was more of an attitude adjustment more than anything. Yeah, look, in-game adjustments, halftime adjustments are overrated. You make the adjustments in the game during the game. Sometimes they just happen to pan out after halftime. Halftime adjustments are more about attitude and approach. But it did seem to help the most. But, look, going back big picture, this is some – this was somewhere, you know, the change of defensive coordinator may, may, may come up. Um, the explosive play is given up in the air. Uh, one thing we've been able to say was an improvement so far this year especially compared to a year ago. And I know, you know, South Carolina had the big play last week when nobody was in the vicinity of, uh, of, um, uh, of a touchdown there in the back of the end zone. Uh, but the explosive plays for the most part in the passing game have been much less than a year ago. Uh, that was exposed versus Sanford. Ten explosive passes for Sanford quarterback Liam Welch. 18 yards, 20 yards. A 58-yard touchdown, a 40-yard touchdown, 15 yards, 39 yards, 38 yards, 20 yards, 16 yards, 23 yards. I mean, as I'm saying, you're not playing 2019 LSU. You're not playing Joe Burrow and those receivers. Joe Brady on the sideline or in the booth calling plays. This is four and five FCS Sanford. Luckily, now four and six, but that's what they were coming into the game. But look, let's not excuse it. Defense wasn't the only aspect of this poor performance. You know, we 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 we, uh, we can zoom out a little bit. I mentioned penalties earlier, and that is another example this season. Lack of attention to details I brought up when it showed up again. Special teams. Lack of uh, attention to detail once again. Sanford returns a kickoff for a touchdown. Also recovers an onside kick. Just another example of that phase of the game. Just not being a focus. With all the bad there that has been there all season, it's coming up again. So with all the bad there, thankfully the offense didn't fold. Let's get back to that before we... Sign off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Thankfully, there was part of this team that did what they were supposed to do. Talked about the play of Emory Jones and why it was needed because of what the defense put out there. Tight end Kamori Gamble set a new career high in a single game receiving yards and just two catches on Florida's first two drives of the game, catching two passes for a combined 73 yards and breaking his previous career high 66 yards receiving last year versus Vanderbilt. Finished with a career high, 122 receiving yards. Also tied his career high with two receiving touchdowns. I can throw up these stats here, go into these highlights, but then we'll uh, take a little bit deeper dive uh, into them as well. As I said, Gamble finished career high, 122 receiving yards. Also tied his career high with two receiving touchdowns. You see the stats I just popped up there. If you're watching the video version, Gamble's 46-yard touchdown reception from quarterback Emory Jones in the first quarter marked his longest reception of his career. 
Zoom out a little bit more. Wide receiver Jamarcus Wesson caught his first career touchdown with a nine-yard touchdown grab from Jones in the first quarter to tie the game at 14. Weston's fifth catch of the season, sixth of his career. Now, look, that just it kind of that just puts under a microscope what this game was kind of supposed to be. For a player like Jamarcus Weston, who doesn't necessarily get a lot of playing time, started the season out a little bit more with some playing time versus the easier opponents. Uh, had the gaff versus Alabama, of course, in the return game. Uh, but you know, this was a game that you were supposed to see more of players like Weston and such. Good to see Trent Woodmore was back out there as well. But, you know, you uh, expected stats like this from guys you haven't seen a whole lot of stats of uh, this year. And But Florida found themselves in a dogfight. Um, probably had to keep a lot of the starters, quote-unquote starters, in longer than they wanted to. We know what happened at quarterback, but then you know, Anthony Richardson limited, was going to get some playing time, but did tell Dan Mullen he wanted Emory to get the record, so keep Emory in there. Um, it's a good teammate show showing there from from Anthony Richardson. Uh, but, you know, the Jamar- Jamarcus Weston numbers here, first career touchdown, you know, the, I probably expected some other first – First timers, first, first, first touchdowns for some guys, and or more catches. Some somebody setting career high uh, for catches in a game that was supposed to be, you know, getting some backups and playing time that did not happen. Running back Damian Pierce. Here we go. I mean, we know the issues there. We'll get into it in just a second. Not issues of him, issues of him getting more touches. Three total touchdowns for Damian Pierce, two rushing, one receiving, brought his season total to 13 touchdowns. Entered the game tied for third in the SEC with 10 total touchdowns. Extending the running game a bit, running back Naquan Wright. Um, well, extending the running backs in the passing game. Naquan Wright caught his first career touchdown with a 45-yard touchdown reception in the second quarter. Running back Malik Davis as well, 48-yard touchdown reception in the third quarter, marked his longest reception of his career. So the running back is getting involved in the passing game a bit more uh, as well. But Damian Pierce, I mean, I don't get it. I know you guys don't get it. We have two games left, two regular season games left, hopefully a bowl game. Uh, we'll see where, where that goes. And heck, even if Damian Pierce wants to play in a bowl game, we'll see. Uh, but two games left, 10 games played, and we – are still asking ourselves the question, why doesn't Damian Pierce get the ball more? Granted, it was Sanford, but this is not the only game where this is showing up. Last week versus South Carolina, it showed up. But you look at his stats this week, again, seven attempts, 78 yards, along with 27, 11.1 yards to carry every time he touched the ball with the first down. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, Florida was in a dog fight, so they, they did need it. But, you know, if it hadn't been if, – if it wasn't for the issues coming into this game of him not getting carries, I wouldn't bat an eye at seven attempts for 78 yards. You know, I, I wouldn't at all. But this is just a continuing trend from all season. When it's been proven, Damian Pierce has been your most consistent back. A guy who gets the yards guy who hits the big plays. Now, granted, the home run's still not necessarily there in the running game. They're hitting him in the passing game this time. But still, he's been your most consistent back, your back that's getting yards, your back that's going forward. And in the struggling offense, you need more of that. I mean, from now on, 
against Missouri and against FSU, Florida's going to, and we've already, and it's already been proven, Florida needs help from the running backs. And you're getting help from one who touches the ball. And when he does touch the ball, positive things happen. You're getting it. You're just not using it enough. It is a must moving forward versus Missouri and FSU. Damian Pierce needs to be a workhorse these next two games. Not just a player in the rotation. He needs to be the workhorse. He needs to get the start. He needs carries early and he needs carries often. It's not hard to figure out. Dan Mullen wants to maybe save his job. We'll see where that goes, what the conversation is there. By the end of the season, he'll need to go back and point to Damian Pierce saving his job because to me that is the only way. Now, of course, we've had some weird breaks this season. We've had some weird trends this season. Who knows how it all plays out? But I'm saying a likely scenario, if Dan Mullen wants to, quote-unquote, save his job, he better be giving the ball to Damian Pierce. But, yeah, um, look, <laughs> since Florida was in a dogfight, here you go. They're not getting a whole lot of carries in SEC play. And because Florida's in a dogfight with FCS, Samford, DeMarcus Bowman, two carries. Lorenzo Lingard, one carry. No. You know, this should have been a, a, a game where those guys are getting near seven to ten carries. But nope, nope, Florida had to keep starters out there just so they could keep, keep up with Sanford. Once again, playing down to the opponent, not getting some of the younger guys to some of the experience, the needed experience. But, you know, that's just a continuing trend under this program with Dan Mullen. Let's go back up to the receiving threats here. Xavier Henderson there, seven catches, 60 yards. Good seeing him there as a, as a target there for Emory Jones. Kamora Gamble, of course, mentioned his uh, emergence here, 20.3 yards a catch. Good for him getting back involved in this uh, uh, in, in, in this passing attack, six catches, 122 yards, as I mentioned, those two touchdowns. Justin Shorter keeps uh, his play, his recent play up. He also added six catches, 93 yards. 15 and a half yards a catch. Damian Pierce, as I mentioned, <laughs> that was a good catch by him. It was a little you know, too much of a floater there by Ember Jones, but uh, Damian Pierce is smart enough to just snatch it away uh, there from the defender. That was kind of closing in on the, on, on the catch from him in the end zone. Uh, nice, smart play uh, there by Damian Pierce uh, to get the touchdown. Uh, and But, I mean, Damian Pierce with three catches, Malik Davis two catches, Anquan Wright, two catches. It is good seeing these running backs get uh, um, involved in the passing game. We'll see if that continues in any kind of way as well. But, yeah, Jacob Copeland, of course, uh, man, only one catch, 14 yards. Um, not out there a whole lot. Uh, didn't have the one carry as well. That went absolutely nowhere. Uh, but uh, I know there's a lot of talk about him and what's going on uh, kind of off the field on social media. You know, what? I'll I'll judge more on Missouri and FSU as far as Jacob Copeland goes, um, but there's your stats right there as far as past Emory Jones and his record-setting day, and those players right there that help him along in that record-setting performance there. So if you're watching YouTube, yeah, you get uh, you can go back look at the stats right there if you're uh, not on YouTube and listen to the podcast version. But there you go. There's your look back at 
a an ugly win. And some people don't like that term or a disappointing win. I know Dan Mullen says that's a disservice, a disappointing win. But I mean, come on, that's the reality of it. It's exactly what it was. Should not have been a game of a seventy to fifty-two score. We all know that. No defense for it. So with that, with that, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you guys out there, no surprise. I mean, we're sitting here midday on Sunday recording this. I'm sure you've all read uh, and been on social media, but if you're not, even though you read Yahoo or um, Sports Illustrated, there's some you know big, big, big picture looks at um, at Dan Mullen here, um, and go out there and read them. I'm not gonna you know steal those guys' thunder, but Pete Thamel from Yahoo, who if you remember, was one of the first ones out there that connected Dan Mullen in Florida when that hire was going to be made. And so Pete Thamel pretty connected to Dan Mullen or some connections to Dan Mullen, let's say at at least like that, uh, releases his kind of big picture article from around college football and it headlines Dan Mullen, but also the coaching carousel in college football. And from that article from Pete Thamel, the opening of the Florida job is appearing imminent. Of course, a lot of it based on this performance versus Sanford. And in that, I won't steal the complete thunder, but I will still, well, not still, I will use and I will source a coach's remark to Pete Thamel in that article on Yahoo. The Florida domino is going to fall, a coach said late Saturday. And holy crap, it's going to be nuts. In the quote. <laughs> so this isn't just Florida media. This isn't fans. This is national writers. One who has already proven he has connections. Pete Thamel's not a quote-unquote clickbait reporter out there. Pete Thamel's real respected. I respect the heck out of Pete Thamel. He's not, uh, as I said, the chasing the chasing the clicks. He shares what he what he hears, what he knows about the world of college football. So you can best bet with his background and in, 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 in around the coaches and agents out there, that's what he's using to put this out there. He was the first one to report Dan Mullen to Florida back in 2017, at the end of 2017. He's got the connection. He's not just putting this out there for the heck of it. And then Pat Forty for Sports Illustrated, the Dan Mullen era has crashed, cannot be revived, it's over. That is the fallout from Sanford. That is the fallout. That is the fallout from that 70-52 win. Granted, I, I, I am still glad we are talking about a win. And I know there's the hot-button topic out there, the players dancing in the locker room afterwards, and if that's acceptable or not, I can't tell you how to think about that. Um, you, you view that how you want to. I will say kids would be kids. I will also say that as far as perception goes, it doesn't look good. I don't think Nick Saban's dancing after a 70-52 win <laughs> after Sanford. I'll put it that way. Now, we know Dan Mullen and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day and James Franklin and Clay Hilton or whatever coach you want to put out there. They're not all the same. 
But I can guarantee you, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, they ain't dancing with their players after a 70-52 victory over Sanford. But it's supposed to be about fun as well. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit torn on it. I know if the message out there of effort is going to be conveyed and then you get and you see that after a game, then that's going to rub some people the wrong way. And I know fans are going back and forth with uh, the players on social media and stuff, and you know, <laughs> it comes with the territory right now. That's just uh, the world we live in. Um, but I, I don't think you can sit there and, and blame people for how they take it, positively or negatively. I mean, I, I don't really mean to toe the line there. That's just kind of kind of where I'm at with it. Maybe you do it, don't share it. Maybe this, maybe it shouldn't be put out there. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I can, I can see both sides of this. Um, but I always kind of fall back on college kids, kids to be kids, and they want, and they want to have fun. So I won't blame them if they do, but I also won't blame the blowback. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. All right. There we go. We won't really take a look around the SEC all too much. You got the big, big game, uh, Georgia, Tennessee. Georgia, Tennessee comes out right away, scripted first drive, put some points up on Georgia. Georgia responds and kind of looks like every other game out there. They just bleed it away. Uh, Georgia doesn't even have to quote unquote look good, and they're winning by 30 points. Um, what was the other one? Old Miss versus Texas A&M. Texas A&M had been rolling after that win over Alabama. Old Miss and uh, the Lane Train rolling along right there in Oxford. That was a good game. That was a, that was a really good game. Uh, but Old Miss defense showing up. How about that SEC storyline this week? Um, as far as defense not showing up versus Samford, Old Miss's defense showing up versus Texas A&M. Makes sense of that. Um. Yeah, if you would have saw a 70-52 score at any SEC game, you might would have expected something like that with uh, A&M and uh, Ole Miss, not not Florida Sanford, uh, to kind of come back around <laughs> a bit and tie that together. Uh, but, yeah, there's your, your quick look around the SEC. Of course, uh, Missouri beats – I'm just going off the top of my head here. So, yeah, Missouri beats South Carolina, uh, by the way. Um, so, Florida's last opponent that ran all up and down the field – on Florida last week, going against Florida's next week opponent in Missouri. Uh, Missouri's got a road game that Florida's going to have to worry about, another road game for Florida. But Missouri beat South Carolina the week after South Carolina puts it on Florida. So there you go. That's what you have to look forward to a little bit next week. Tyler Beatty there for Missouri. Scary proposition right now for Florida. <laughs> um, and let me – I mean, I'll go ahead, quick preview of that. Uh, just to throw out the stat because of what happened yesterday. Um, let me go back to that. I did share it. Um, sorry, 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 but yeah. So it was another big game from Tyler Beatty against South Carolina. He's the only running back in the country with four games of 200-plus rushing yards. That versus South Carolina, a team Florida couldn't run on last week. Now that's what you have to look forward to next week there. So, there would you look around the SEC off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, there's not much going on. Georgia's already got the, the East wrapped up, of course, so don't really have to pay too much in tune there. We can, but we can follow the storylines just a bit there. Uh, with A&M and Auburn losing yesterday, 
Um, there was a go. There was another storyline: Mississippi State storming back and beating Auburn. But that pretty much wraps up uh, the West for Alabama as well. So, collision course: Alabama, Georgia, SEC championship game. So there you go, Gator fans. I know everybody's just kind of right now just wondering what these next two games mean, wondering what it means for Dan Mullen. A lot of reports out there, as I just mentioned. Our good friend Neil Blackman put out there, you know, he's in disgust. It's kind of wait-and-see mode with some people in the athletic department. And boosters, to me, that gives me all the answer I need to know. Wait-and-see mode to me means I already have my answer. I mean, I told you my answer after South Carolina last week. But to me, there shouldn't be a, a wait-and-see mode tells me all I need to know. I, these next two games don't tell me much in the grand scheme of things. They really don't. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't want to see Florida lose to Missouri and FSU, but it shouldn't be an answer on Dan Mullen. That's how I look at it. But we got plenty of time to get into that next couple weeks. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.